All right, let's go ahead and get started tonight. Hope everyone has an outline. It's the back of the song sheet, so find that. Uh, we're going to be diving into um, what is simultaneously the most simple and the most involved topic in all of Christianity. That is reading the Bible. So reading the Bible is something you can do from day one of your Christian life, and it's something that you will continue to do throughout your Christian life in ever-deepening uh, ways and with more understanding, more experience. Um, every topic is in the Bible. I mean, that kind of goes without saying. So um, how, do we know, how do we know about the historic Jesus? You know, there's, there's hardly any references to, to the person of Jesus in um, ancient history. So mainly what we know about Jesus, we know through the Bible. How do we know what Jesus taught? The Bible. How do we know that Jesus died? If he hadn't died, he'd probably be here sharing tonight. But everything we know about Christ, we know through the Bible. So um, I just want to start maybe with this quote here. This is from an early church father named Augustine. He says, For such is the depth of the Christian scriptures, that if even if I were attempting to study them and nothing else from boyhood to decrepit old age, with the utmost leisure, the most unwearied zeal, and with talents greater than I possess, I would still be making daily progress in discovering their treasures. Isn't that an awesome quote? So you, you, are you kind of picking up the sentiment here? I know the Bible, we take it for granted. We've got a million Bibles on our phones, on our shelves, around us in society. But tonight, hopefully, after, um, after we're done, we, ha- we're, uh, we walk away with a deeper impression of God's greatest gift to humanity, the Bible. All right, so let's read the title. Ready, set, go. And then let's read these two verses at the top. Ready, set, go. Don't you like that first verse? Blessed is he who reads. There is a blessing just in reading the Bible. So, um, so I want to start with this. Let's imagine for a second. Um, I want you to imagine if Jesus himself could show up in your dorm room tonight. Of course, you might want to clean up and uh, you know, take some things down before he gets there. But if Jesus could show up in your dorm room tonight and speak one sentence... And then disappear. Jesus Christ could show up in your dorm room tonight and speak one sentence. That's all you got. What would he say? What do you think he'd say? (laughs) Yeah, so of course, if we weren't talking about this topic tonight and I hadn't already passed this out, what do you think people would say? Jesus could show up and say one sentence. I think he would say, read the Bible. Read the Bible. And the reason he would say that is because everything God wants to communicate to humanity, he has done so once and for all in the Bible. God doesn't have another message for you except what he's already given to you. If we realize that, if we realize that, we will change our concept because I think most of us have a mistaken concept thinking, if Jesus could just speak to me audibly, if he could just tell me something, if I could hear a voice from heaven, then I would get clear. If, if Jesus could, could speak to me definitely, clearly, authoritatively, 
Guess what? That is the Bible. The definitive, clear, authoritative speaking of God to man. So we don't need a voice from heaven. And in fact, there's an amazing passage in 2 Peter 1. Uh, You might want to write this down. 2 Peter 1.19. It's unbelievable what Peter does here. Peter is combating the uh, attack against Christianity that all Christianity is, is a myth. So that was going on. You know, they're saying, hey, you know, this Jesus guy, that didn't really happen. Y'all were hallucinating. Actually, a guy in the 60s wrote a book that all the disciples just ate some magic shrooms and were hallucinating. I'm serious. It's out there. And so this myth was going on. Hey, Christianity is just a myth. It's just a theory. It's just kind of, you know, just like these Greek philosophies, you know, these, you know, these Roman poets. Okay, so what Peter does is he gets two pieces of evidence to combat this, that Christianity is a myth. His first piece of evidence is he says, I was there on the mountain when Jesus was transfigured. I saw him unzip the shell of his humanity. He was transfigured. I was in his glorious presence, and I heard the voice of majesty being born out of heaven saying, this is my son, hear him. Now, Sheridan, bro, if you had been there, bro, You'd be talking about that like every day, right? For sure. And you'd be using that, bro. You'd be like, dude, I was there. You know, it's like, you know, when you saw, if you've ever seen a car wreck, think about like, you're just like, the kind of the intensity and the kind of the emotion and the kind of impact that testimony has, right? So that's Peter's first evidence. And then in verse 19, chapter 119, he says, but we have something more firm. We have something more sure more sure than an audible voice from heaven, something more sure than your personal experience of hearing God speaking, that is the prophetic word. The prophetic word of scripture is more firm than any personal, direct, audible speaking from God from heaven you could ever have. Think about that. All God has said to humanity, he has said once and for all, and it has been recorded, translated, published, shipped, available, it's on your shelf, it's on your phone. And the problem is we don't have that much feeling for what God has given us in Scripture. Look at the second verse. All Scripture is God-breathed, that the man of God may be complete, fully equipped, every good work. Look at these superlatives Peter's, uh, Paul's throwing at us. If you want to be complete, that means there's nothing else you need. If you want to be fully equipped, that means there's nothing else you need. If you want to be fully equipped for every good work. So God has given us everything in giving us the Bible. Our job is to realize what a gift this is, dive into it, eat it up, and flow it out. So tonight we're going to be focusing on three points. These three points are... um, Basically, why we should read the Bible, okay? So reading the Bible, like I said, is a huge topic. There's lots that could be said. There's techniques. There's methods. You know, there's strategies. Um, But mainly, we're going to be looking at why to read the Bible. And then um, at the end, I'll give you three ways we read the Bible. Okay, so three words that summarize tonight's message is know, grow, flow. I know you like that, bro. Let's go. (laughs) Let's say those three words together. Ready, set, know, grow, flow. So that's what, I mean, that's pretty easy to remember, right? 
but the depths is unbelievable. So if we want to know the divine revelation, we need to read the Bible. If we want to grow in the divine life, we need to read the Bible. And if we want to be flowing in participation with the divine move on earth today, we need to read the Bible. So know, grow, flow. Okay, so that, this does not mean that God will not speak to us personally, okay? Uh, don't, don't misunderstand me. But we have to understand that any direct personal speaking from God to us will be merely a repetition and application of his written word. So if God speaks to you, you know, a lot of people have funny thoughts about what God says to them, right? There's axe murderers who think God told them to do this and that. Um, I knew a girl a couple years ago. She was thinking about going on a mission trip. Uh, you know, the training ground was in Hawaii, so I think she was kind of leaning towards going. Um, and one of the guys in her small group told her, yeah, you know, the confirmation that God wants to send you to Hawaii is that you're going to see an apple this week. Like a, you know, physical apple, not like one of these guys. And I was thinking, I heard that, I was like, how hard is it to see an apple during the week? I mean, and if you really want to go, just go to the supermarket and you got confirmation. <laughs> so sometimes people get these funny thoughts like how God speaks to them and what God speaks to them. And so we got to realize that no personal speaking or leading of God will ever contradict written scripture. It's just going to be a repetition and an application to your situation of God's once for all word in scripture. So what we need to realize is the language God speaks is Bible. The language God speaks is Bible. And if we're not familiar with the language God speaks, how easy do you think it will be to communicate with him? He'll be trying to speak to you. He'll be trying to communicate to you. But you won't have the linguistic tools to understand his speaking. I mean, have, is, has anybody traveled abroad? And, you know, it's, you're like me. I went to Puerto Rico the summer after my freshman year in college. And I had a smattering of Spanish, uh, which basically, you know, ended up at that point was, you know, where's the bathroom? Where's the telephone? Mucho gusto. Things like that. <laughs> and it was frustrating because we're smiling at each other. You know, I kind of think I know what's going on in the conversation, but I'm out of the loop. And sometimes that's how we're, we're like with God, right? We know he loves us. We know he wants the best for us. But we don't know what God is trying to speak to us in our situation today. So we need to get into the Bible, familiarize ourselves, familiarize ourselves with the divine way of speaking so we can hear God's voice today, okay? All right, so let's... Um, before we actually jump into the outline here, I want to give you all, just to um, kind of try and impress you all a little bit more, um, what we actually have in our hands here. All right, what is the Bible? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, it's the Word of God, but what is it? How does God view the Bible? Okay, so think about this. The Bible, we can say, is God's autobiography. Think about that. The Bible is not just history, it's not just stories, it's not just teachings, it's the story of God's life written by God with God's perspective about what's important. I mean, think about it, if somebody wrote your biography, Sheridan, you know, they may tell the story of your life, but they may not emphasize what you think is important about your life. Okay, God has taken it upon himself to tell us what his life story is. And the amazing thing is, when we read the Bible from this lens, guess what? We find out that we're in the story. 
We're in God's autobiography. And we're not in it as a side character. We're not in it as a, you know, just, just a guy, you know, just what do they call those guys in movies? We're not an extra. We're not just at the cafe kind of in the background sipping a latte. We are the main character besides God himself. The autobiography of God is that God is seeking a romantic relationship with a group of people on earth. Think about that. And when now, when you come to the Bible with this lens, I think it's hard not to get excited. When you find out at the end of Scripture, God marries a group of people. They're in a life-love union for eternity. Isn't that amazing? The Bible is God's autobiography, and we are in it with a central role. We were made to marry the maker. Isaiah 54, 5, write that one down. Your maker is your husband. The reason God made you was that God wants to marry you. Okay, so that's, to me, that's pretty encouraging, right? That makes me want to read the Bible. Because it's telling about my life, too. Okay, number two, the Bible is... Um, you know, sometimes you have like a pocket, right? Oh, Carl's got this one here. So, you know, you got half of it, you know, the first half and the second half. What are those, what are those two halves called? Yeah, New Testament, Old Testament, right? Have you ever thought about why it's called that? What's a testament? What's a testament? Common answer that's incorrect. Sorry. <laughs> but it is a testimony. It does testify. But that's not what a testament is here. A testament is a technical term. Oh, I heard it from downtown. A, will. a testament is a will. You know, last will and testament. Have you heard of that? So, you know, you write down what you want to give to somebody when you die. And I want you to write down this verse that actually tells us this. Hebrews 9, 15 through 17. So a lot of people know about God making a covenant with man. So what's the difference between God's covenant, a covenant, and a testament? Anybody ever thought about that? You know, we talk about the new covenant, right? The old covenant, the new covenant. So a covenant is a legally binding promise with an obligated party. So, you know, if I, if I tell Carl I'm going to pay for dinner tonight and I don't do it, Am I legally responsible for that? No. It happens all the time in friendships, right? You go, hey, bro, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do this. And you're like, hey, where are you at? And you're like, oh, sorry, man, something came up. So nothing can happen to me. If I promise something to him, bro, I promise I'm going to be there. And if I don't do anything, anything happen? I mean, people may not you know, trust me next time I make a promise. But if I enter into a contract... You know, when you buy a house, you don't just promise to buy it. You don't just say you're going to buy it. You sign a contract that you're going to buy it. And if you don't buy it, T-Walk, you are legally responsible for that. Okay, the Bible is a covenant, number one. God has made a legal agreement with us to do certain things. And in this agreement, not we, but he is the obligated party. God has taken upon himself the obligation to regenerate you, to transform you, to build you up, and to glorify you. God is the obligated party. Okay, what could be better than a covenant? Okay, a testament is not just an agreement to do something with legal uh, obligations. A testament is something that's already been done and given 
and is yours for enjoyment. Everything you read in the Bible is a divine bequest from God to you. Not a promise to do something, but an accomplishment that's already been done, already been given to you, and it's yours. So, you know, if you have like a relative who dies and you're in the will, and, you, you know, in the will it's like you get a Rolex, you get the Jag, and you get the Malibu house. You know what you got to do? Just go to Malibu, and you get to enjoy it. So if we realize that this is what the Bible is, we will stop praying, begging prayers and, stop and start praising the Lord for what he has already done in us. There are 31,100 divine bequests in the Bible. That's how many verses there are. Okay, so anyways, I just wanted to give this to y'all. The Bible is the autobiography of God, and the Bible is God's testament. It's his will written to us to give us an inheritance, and it's already been given. Okay, let's read uh, point one here, and then we'll look at some of these verses. Ready, set, go. And let's have the guys read the first verse and the girls read the second verse. Ready, set, go. God, having spoken... I'm in. All right, sisters. Okay, these are two awesome verses. Um, okay, so remember, we're under the section of the reason we're reading the Bible is to know, to know the divine revelation. So by the first verse, you can um, circle or square the word God. And maybe by the side of the verse, you can write person. So we want to know the person. And by the second verse, you can circle or square uh, right at the very beginning, the mystery. And this is the purpose. So the Bible reveals the person and the purpose of God. That's what it reveals. Um, speech does this. Anytime someone speaks, it reveals them. It reveals what they're all about. Um, and so, you know, before God spoke, you've got these Greek philosophers trying to speculate, you know, about God. And Romans 1.20 says, we can know the divine characteristics through creation. But you can't know the person. You can only know some characteristics. And so it's not until the Lord spoke, him, spoke personally to a group of people that he unveiled who he is, what he is, and what he's all about. Okay, so think about the book of Exodus. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, God brought them to the mountain, and what did he give them? What did he give them up on the mountain, Mount Sinai? Ten Commandments, ten commandments right? Exactly. And if you read those Ten Commandments, you know what those commandments actually are? Here's my man's answer over here. They're a testimony. Amen. This time it really does testify. And in the book of Exodus... God calls the law, what we know of as the law, he only calls it the law once. That's actually not God's primary concept of what those commandments are. In fact, in Hebrew, it's actually just the ten words that actually say the ten commandments. Instead, God's primary, primary way of referring to those ten words is the testimony. I love that. 21 times in the book of Exodus, he calls those words the testimony. The law is a photograph of God showing us who God is. It shows he's a God of love, a God of light, a God of holiness, 
God of righteousness, of God of compassion, God of forgiveness. It's awesome. And it shows us what he wants to do. So that's the first thing. God has spoken. He hasn't just remained in eternity in silence. He has come forth in divine dialogue. And he delights in us knowing him and knowing his purpose. That's why he gave us the Bible. Okay, um, the second one, um, the second one is the purpose itself. So you can underline in the second verse here, um, made known, underline that. And then as I have written, underline written. And then underline reading. And then underline perceived. So this is the kind of steps God took to make known his divine purpose. He made it known to a group of apostles. And what they did was they wrote down what God made known to them. And then we need to read what has been written down. And Paul here says, if you read what has been written to you, you will perceive his understanding in the mystery of Christ. So if we want to know the mystery of God's purpose, we need to read the Bible. Amen? Amen? Okay, so what is God's purpose? What is God's purpose? Who's in the, one of the big Bible studies on a Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon? EJ, what would you say God's purpose is that we've seen so far? Life and building. Boom, got it. Life and building. This is a simple definition of what God's purpose is. Christ as our life for the building up of the church. Okay, so let's just take one point here, Christ. Christ is central in God's purpose. So how much have we read what's been written and perceived the divine purpose concerning Christ? How much have we understood God's purpose concerning Christ? So last time we were reading through the New Testament as a club, I tried to count how many items of Christ uh, have been written about in the New Testament. I got 435 aspects of Christ. That's pretty amazing, right? I mean, if I were to ask you how many aspects of Christ you can count, I mean, I think you'd get Redeemer, Savior, Lord, Life. What else? Lamb. Shepherd. Shepherd. Lord, already been said. (laughs) King, right? But after about 10 or maybe 15, we kind of run out. But what I want to press you with is, There is a massive revelation of Christ in the divine purpose in the Bible. And unless we read that perceptively, we won't understand what God's intention with Christ is. He has revealed at least 435 aspects of Christ for our enjoyment and experience. Isn't that awesome? Okay, so if we want to know the the person and the purpose, we need these next two verses. So let's uh, read both of these together. Ready, set, go. Okay, aren't these awesome verses? So if we want to know the divine person and purpose, what do we need to do? We need to open the Bible. The opening of the Bible gives light. That means it shines and reveals and unveils God and God's purpose to us. And then we need to pursue knowing Jehovah. I love this. So um, how do you feel about point number one here? Why we need to read the Bible? We need to know the divine purpose. Okay, so... um, Let's read uh, point two all together. Ready, set, go. To grow in the divine life. Okay, so we got to know and now we got to grow. 
Let's go ahead and read this first uh, verse. Ready, set, go. All right, I love that. The word of God is living. The word of God is living. This thing is alive. Not the black and white text, not the ink, but the word of God in there is living. And so I want to read this quote from Napoleon to y'all. You know, Napoleon, at the end of his life, he got exiled to Elba. Um, Elba? Alba? Elba, the island, yeah. And uh, he somehow got attracted to Christ uh, while he was in exile. And he, he's got some famous quotes about, you know, the Bible and Christ and Christianity. That's where the quote is, you know, Charlemagne, Julius Caesar, myself, we all conquered by force, but Christ conquers by love. So he's got some epic quotes like this. This is another thing he said. The Bible is no mere book, but a living creature with a power that conquers all that oppose it. The Bible is a living creature. And everything in your fallen humanity that opposes it, he's going to conquer through his divine life. I love that. Okay, so since the word of God is living, we need to take it in a living way. Doesn't that make sense? Whatever the nature of a thing is, that's how you got to interact with it. Since food is organic, how do you got to interact with it? You need to eat it. You need to take it in. And if we take the word in a living way, not just for knowledge, the word will operate within us. And so we need to take it in in a living way, and we need to say, Lord, I open to the word's operation within me. How do we do that? Let's read the next verse. Ready, set, go. All right, so this is Ephesians 6, and this tells us how to receive the Word of God in a living way. So the first point we're looking at reading the Bible, studying the Bible, you know, knowing the Bible. This point we're talking about eating the Bible. And to do that, you need to receive the Word by prayer in the Spirit. Okay, so this is what we're talking about, pray reading. So the reason we read the Bible is to get God's life, to eat it, to get sustained in our spiritual existence. So the Bible is our food, our spirits, our stomach. All right, so I want to give you five R words, five R words about how practically to do what we call pray reading. Pray reading is internalizing the scripture through prayer with the text of scripture. So these are five R words that may help you if you're struggling with this. The first R is read. So first you got to read. Okay, so I think we got all that one pretty good, so I'm not going to say anything about that. Second R is as you're reading scripture, great time to do this is in the morning, as you're reading the Bible, the Lord will kind of start to indicate. He wants to speak to you something in a certain phrase or a certain sentence or a certain verse. So the second R you need to do as you're sensing that kind of divine prompting within, you know, you just feel a little light. You feel a little kind of, ah, oh, there's something there. Second R is repeat, repeat. So as you sense the Lord touching you over a certain verse, just camp out on that phrase and begin to muse on it, begin to repeat it. And I'm like, repeat it three times, four times. Just muse on it, chew it a little bit. That is the Lord inviting you into a, into a divine dialogue. He's saying, camp out here. I've got a supply for you. I want to dispense myself into you. And so as we repeat, we begin to come into the Lord's presence. We sense the Lord speaking and we feel the life start to flow. Okay, the third R is... Rejoice! Amen. Rejoice! Okay, so I was reading our Bible reading the other day in Acts 3, 
And the translation I was reading, this is where Peter's just kind of throwing down the gauntlet. And he says, um, you know, Jesus, you know, you denied the holy and righteous one in the presence of Pilate. And the author of life you killed and asked for a murderer to be granted to you instead. Translation I was reading called Jesus here the pioneer of life. And man, I just camped out on that. The pioneer of life. Jesus is the pioneer of life. What do pioneers do? They go places no one's been before. They blaze a trail. They hack through the thicket. And I was praying, Lord, hack through the thicket of my thoughts. Blaze a trail for your divine life. Pioneer some life in my being where it's never been before. So anyways, just as you're kind of, you're praying over this, you just start getting, just, you're just rejoicing. Praise the Lord for the pioneer of life. He's going to go places with the divine life that it's never been before in you. Isn't that something to get excited about? And so you're just rejoicing. This is the third R. Praise the Lord for the pioneer of life. Amen. He's kind of doing that in your being. <laughs> okay, the fourth R is repent. Repent. So as the Lord is shining on you, because we're sinners, because we're fallen, we sh- probably will be exposed as having come short to, you know, what the, what the word says. So then we just repent. Lord, forgive me. I've been closed to you. To you. I've been cold to you. I haven't been... You know, whatever the, however the Lord leads you to repent, you just repent. And then the fifth R is request. So you just make your request known to God. So hopefully these five R's help you if you're kind of looking for a handle. How do I really pray over scripture? Read, repeat, rejoice, repent, request. Good little way to, to get into scripture and pray it in. And again, that's to get the life. All right, let's read the next two verses. Let's have the brothers and the sisters. Ready, set, go, bros. As newborn babes... Amen. Tasted. All right, sisters, go. Amen. All right, so a lot of you guys know I just had uh, my first child uh, about three weeks ago. So um, enjoying that. And basically what baby Jude wants pretty much every two hours, is leche. Yeah, he wants that leche. He wants milk. And so I've been blown away. We get this little email every week that kind of tells us about our kid and development and blah, blah, blah. So I've been kind of researching, um, you know, milk. And uh, anyways, nursing is pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing what the human body can do. And so listen to this. I was reading about this. This is unbelievable. Um, When you're nursing... If you're a female and you're nursing, if your kid is in a context, an environment like daycare or somewhere where there's germs in his environment, the germs that he picks up, the next time he nurses, the mother's body detects those germs and in the milk starts producing antibiotics and enzymes that directly target those germs. The mother doesn't have the germs. But between the mother and child interaction, in the context of the child or the mother, the mother's body produces a new supply directly tailored to combat the germs in that environment. I mean, do you all see the divine uh, kind of application here? The milk of the word is tailor-designed, tailor-suited for your environment. And when you're 
fellowshipping with the Lord, when you're contacting him, the Lord through the Spirit detects what germs are in your environment. And he produces a specific supply to overcome those germs, to protect you from those germs, to build up a defense to those germs. Isn't that amazing? That's in the milk of the word. So the, the divine supply to your environment is going to be different, you know, than the divine supply to the environment that I'm in. So I love this. We need to come to get the milk out of the word. Another quick fact, um, you know, you can store breast milk for a couple months and drink it later and it's still good. But the thing with that is, remember, the milk is designed for the environment you're in at that time. So if you drink the milk three months later, yeah, you get the milk, it's still milk, it's still nutritious, it's still drinkable, but the, the elements in that milk is now not designed for your current situation. So the point here is don't store up old supply. Go, yeah, man, I'm, I'm coasting off the college conference last month. Well, that supply is not designed for your environment today. So we need daily to come to drink the milk of the word for our tailor-made supply in that day's environment. Isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord. Okay, then on Jeremiah here, we'll be done in about five minutes. Underline, your words were found, found. Underline, ate. Underline, became. Underline, called. So these are the four steps. Every day we need to find the word. We need to eat the word. When we eat the word, the word will become something to us. What it will become is joy. It will become joy and gladness. So if we notice a decrease of joy in our Christian life, we need to check. How has my eating of the word been? And then if we are eating the, Lord, eating the word and enjoying the Lord, what does this last part of this sentence mean? For I am called by your name, O Jehovah God of hosts. When I first used to read this, I used to thought it meant like the Lord has called me like, you know, for a purpose or for a, a mission. I'm called by your name. So like, Josh, come and do this for me. But that's actually not what it's talking about here. It's talking about other people call us by God's name. So when you're eating the word, enjoying the word, and expressing the joy of eating the word, you know what people call you? You're you're Christ's. You're a Christian. They call you by Christ's name because there's that spontaneous expression of Christ living again. All right, let's quickly go to point three here, and we'll end here. Let's read three all together. Ready, set, go. All right, brothers, this verse, ready, set, go. When they had so besought, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. All right, sisters, next verse, go. Bros. Sisters. Okay, so we're in the book of Acts now in our CSOC Bible reading schedule. So um, this is where the third point comes in. If we read the Bible, we will be qualified to participate in the divine move because as you see here in the book of Acts, the divine move is all about the word growing and multiplying, prevailing. And so God moves through his speaking, but he speaks today through us. And if we want to have something to say, where do we get what we say? From the word. So if we're filled with the word, if we're constituted with the word, word, then we will be flowing out the riches of Christ through our enjoyment, and the Lord will have his move on earth again today. Okay, so what are our three words again for tonight? No, No, grow, grow, flow. flow.
We know the divine purpose. We grow by enjoying the divine life. And we flow out in participation with the divine move. Okay, so right at the bottom, I've just got a couple um, sample prayers you might try before reading the Bible. Again, we take the word in through spirit. So these are just a couple of prayers you can try. Um, I basically pray something like this every time I read the word. Lord, I turn my heart to you. Give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open my eyes to see something in your word. Open my mind to understand your word. And speak, Lord, I'm listening. So all of these are verses. It'll help you um, in your contact with the Lord. So that's reading the Bible. Hopefully um, we come away tonight with a renewed appreciation for what the Lord has given us in Scripture. It's his autobiography. It's our divine inheritance and his will. And it's how we know God, his purpose, how we grow in life, and how we flow out in the divine move today. Amen? Amen. Right, so I'll just pray here for us real quick, and then we'll be done. So, Lord Jesus, we love you so much, Lord. We just praise you. What a gift you've given us in the word. Lord, renew our appreciation, Lord. Lord, heighten our enjoyment. Lord, and deepen our pursuit of you in the word. Lord, we just give you the rest of this semester, Lord. Lord, do bring us into these kind of things, Lord. We want to be people of the word. Lord Jesus, we praise you. Amen. All right, so um, I don't know what we're going to do now, but maybe just uh, take five, seven minutes to group up and uh, maybe fellowship. Um, anything about this, and then I think we'll have some announcements about the college conference. Um, so maybe take a few minutes and fellowship with the ones around you. Amen. About what you enjoyed. Amen.